Who is the best TV or movie mom of all time? Aunt May. Uh, mean Girls. Uh, Timmy Turner's mom. <laughs> what is happening? Man, I was very excited to do this podcast. That answer just went so many different directions. Wait, I didn't hear what your answer was. I said the, the mom from Mean Girls. The Mean Girls' mom, or that. Oh, she was girl. so inappropriate, Amber. Have I some was respect. talking about. Um, you think you're talking about whatever Regina, George, whatever. I was talking about Katie Herring's Amber, mother. Have some, have some respect for the. You're moms, always okay. thinking about the most negative thing. Wait, Happy which Mother's one is she Day, again? Everybody. Happy Mother's huh? Day. Which one is she? That was a good question. She was the one Thank from. You. I appreciate that. Like Africa, her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead, explain your guys's. Oh, Timmy Turner's mom. Yeah, <laughs> thickest mom of all time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, thickest mom. Timmy Turner, like Miss Turner, was thick. Oh my god! And she made some bomb cookies. Like, she's always in the oven. You notice that? Always in the oven, whipping up something nice. Okay, so are you saying that's where a woman should be? Too real. Show <laughs> <laughs> here. Watch the YouTube video for that smile. Yeah. <laughs> Don't cut this part out. Shamir, go ahead. Aunt May, I mean, she's dope. Uh, if you don't know, she's Spider-Man's, like, aunt, whatever. She, she's not but, even a real mom. But she's the mom figure hey. because he doesn't know his parents. So. Oh, true, and right, so right, right. his um, his uncle, like, spoiler alert, uh, was murdered. And she was, like, a single Whoa. mother. Whoa. It's like the beginning. It's so dark, bro. Yeah. What? Hey, hey, hey. That was Let so him dark. continue. Dude, but she thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, in... in um. In the new Spider-Man, she was there. Yeah, yeah, in the new Spider-Man, she's Okay, there. so for what I'm getting from this conversation <laughs> is that the best mom, mom, has to be thick and in the kitchen. And single. This generation. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yo, come on. Are we still allowed to make jokes like that? Like, is that so funny? I know that's, like, old, but come on. I mean, we're messing around. I'm not around. the ambassador for all women. Just continue. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and welcome oh to... Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I'm so done. What? It's Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, okay. The You're intro. the one that picked the most disrespectful mom. <laughs> we picked respectful, I chose Katie Herring's powerful mother. women. Timmy Turner wouldn't be who, who he is without his mom, okay? Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man would not be Spider-Man. He'd be Spider-Boy still. Uh, that's the answer I wish I would have heard from you guys. I mean, well, that's heard implied, it now. but yeah. also it helps that they're thick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Happy Mother's Day to all the lovely moms listening to the podcast right now. Um, appreciate your moms. Love your moms. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Strange Flavors. Um, my name is Frost. My name is uh, Peter, it's a.k.a. Shimmer. <laughs> my name is Amber. Uh, this is brought to you by Aleph Theory. Guys, uh, make sure you're following us everywhere. We are on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube. Uh, we're going to do a contest next time because we are coming up on the 50th episode. We made it all the way. Uh, thank you, everybody who's still listening. This means thank a lot. You, thank you. Thank you. Um, and also, another thing, Ramadan is coming up, guys. It's the ninth month in the lunar calendar. And during this time, people refrain from not just food and water, but from actions that you wouldn't Negative consider. actions. Negative actions, negative thoughts, um, and thoughts. Bodies. Amber, that is so disrespectful. <laughs> You're refraining and it's, from the It's bodies. a beautiful month. And every day we, you know, try to become very spiritual for 30 days straight, try to cleanse ourselves. It's like a spiritually like a cleansing physical month. and, and mental, mental cleansing. Mental, right. mental cleansing. And we do a lot of prayers, 
and well we're supposed to be doing those prayers anyway yeah but we make and sure I, we, we do don't extra miss prayers those prayers too yeah and uh go to the mosque more go to the mosque more and be more involved with the community mm-hmm. um charity a lot that's of a charity big part work of, of charity yep. work and but it's, it's a it's a really like nice time because you i don't know about other people but like for me at least it's just like a it's a time where it, everything just kind of slows down and yeah. gets simplified it's like a s- where it's like okay no food no water no like no unnecessary things you kind of mm. really simplify your life and you make it you know like what do i need and mm. it and it really helps you think about like those people that don't have the things that you have right yeah. and um then it makes you you know more charitable in that way too and after the month uh you know a lot of people think that you go into this month you just do whatever in that month and then it's over but like if you if you don't come out of that month learning something taking something away or you know bettering yourself then you didn't really benefit from that month right. and i think that um a lot of my non-muslim friends as they grew up with me uh they would fast here and there with me and you know see what it's like and they would also see the benefit of doing it that way which i think is pretty cool right um so i'm excited yeah. are you guys excited like i'm really excited i'm excited the only thing i'm not excited about is the fact that i have finals in the first week of ramadan but last week of my semester and then my last semester of college starts and happens Dang. for a majority of Ramadan. Like last year, or for the past like two years, I was doing 40 hours a week at work and like I had to wake up really early. So my sleep schedule was like four hours, but split in half because I do one before I eat, two hours after. Right. And so you just, get like no sleep in the month of Ramadan. Yeah. There's but no sleeping. This happening. year it's different. So gang gang. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, that's what it's like for us uh, fasting in America. And speaking of America, this is America. What Ooh. a video dropped by Childish Gambino. Um, recently, it's been going super mega viral everywhere. It uh, is. Did you guys get the chance to see it? Dude, w- so like I was just randomly on YouTube like that night, right? Or I was just randomly doing something else. And then I popped up on my like, here, check this out. And it was like 1230. So it was like 30 minutes after it dropped. And it like I was like, why is no one freaking out about this? Childish Gambino just dropped a new song. I clicked it, watched it, it went crazy. And then like I saw everywhere on the internet, it was just going crazy. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, and I'm a huge fan of his, so. Yeah. It was just insane. It was an amazing performance that he had, first of all. is When you first watch it, it's just like his dancing and everything. And then you see, um, like, you have to keep watching it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think everybody that I know like has been re-watching because it it's just like, oh, Pick you start noticing things. things. Yeah. First of all, like it shocks you yeah. because of what goes on in the video. When First of all, like you're in the beginning and it's just like nice and happy. And it's kind of like from his old, his last album, like that was yeah. the kind of tone. Right. And then out of nowhere, you see him like shoot that person. Yeah. And then it just goes deep and dark and you're just like, wow. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it definitely has that shock factor. And honestly, like after I watched it, like I felt very weird, like yeah. very unsettled and I had to like I keep watching it over and over again and it makes you feel kind of sad. Yeah. Like this weird sadness, but also just but like at the same time, it's like a lit song. It is. It's like, a good song and the video is amazing. Yeah. But it's, it's been so cool that like there have been all these interpretations of what it is and he won't say a word on it. Yeah. He's I been think on he interviews knows. saying that like, He's been asked that question, like, can you explain it? And he's just like, no. I think he knows the beauty of, like, everyone trying to figure it out. And it just makes everyone just even analyze yeah. it even more. Well, he said that, you know, he's like, I feel like it's not my place to say what it means. Yeah. Which is crazy because he made it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's so, that's amazing that he 
that he thinks yeah. that way. Well, actually, he didn't direct the video, mm-hmm. but I feel like he had a huge part in it, obviously. Right. But um, it was just cool that, like, that was a whole part of his production. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I saw a video going over what some of the interpretations were. Well, some of them, obviously, like, you know, highlighting, um, viol- like, mass shootings, uh, and then also, like, uh, suicide and, like, and no one like it's just subtle things like someone's mm-hmm. dying in the back but everyone's still having a fun time in front of it right. kind of uh, to either cope with it cope with it or, or distract from it distract because it, it could also be like you know viral videos and things like that like yeah you could have like a an internet cat video blow up and cover for kids dying everywhere yeah right. and that's what everybody's talking about instead and the crazy thing is i don't feel like he's fully attacking like you know a certain yeah. race like he's just show, Cause, cause he's it was showing him yeah. doing it it yeah. wasn't like a white person yeah and know? he's just showing like you know these yeah. issues yeah so it was i mean i'm still i still keep watching it again and again and he had the ad libs so from fun. like popular trap rappers yeah. 21 savage 21 savage off uh, quavo and young thug young like thug, yeah it's just like little subtle things that like you're not even like consciously aware but since it's gambino you're just like all right oh my gosh like i have to analyze everything yeah it was amazing. Um, another another sort of uh, interesting thing that happened with music recently in the news is, um, so Spotify uh, is removing playlists, uh, or removing artists from certain playlists because of uh, bad conduct that they've had in real life, like um, XXX, Tentacion, and R. Kelly for like their sexual misconducts. What do you guys think about that? I think that's really weird. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because if the music is good, but you know, or like people are playing it, um, and their character says something else, I feel like it's very weird for Spotify to take that down in a place where it's about music. I I have mixed feeling about it because Spotify isn't the court of law, and they're not the ones making the final decisions, and that's not what, what Spotify's does that statement for. Say? By but Spotify at the same them, time, at the same time, yeah, the same I still time. think it's good that somebody because not there's not actual people in the industry that can do much except for individuals standing up for it but when you have a platform standing up for it it does send a message that's pretty good so i see it from both sides i think it's unjust okay like if you're gonna do that with them too then you have to start doing that with anybody that has yeah any sort of allegations including michael jackson yeah right so his was cleared I don't I think, mean, it was I think it's a, I think allegations it's a matter of being clear. So, like, yeah. you, there's there's tons of other musicians and stuff, but also whose responsibility is it? Because is it is it Spotify or is it is it the listeners? But also, it's the thing. It's like it, they are just playlists. Like their songs are still on the platform. Oh, mm. they are. Yeah. Okay. But like by playlist, I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Like I there's mean, that, that, at least that's from my understanding. Yeah. Is the Spotify playlists. Playlists, which are like a huge way that people find new music. Find music. So it's mm-hmm. still like not 100% a good thing, but um, I don't know. Like I I do think like music is just for music and somebody's like brand and stuff, and it's not fair to everybody that's you know been behind that i think it's similar to like the logan paul thing it's not super similar but like how they took monetize monetization away from him when Mm. they weren't really feeling what he was doing on his channel and it's like also um with kevin spacey like all the allegations he's had they kind of like removed him from a whole movie 
Right. And they took away his, you know, his Netflix show basically with him without it. But that's like, but that's like the production company and stuff yeah, making those decisions. True. That would be on their labels, true. right? So true. is it their labels' responsibility? Is it the audience's responsibility? Yeah. Like, where does it land? Because when when it comes to brands and things like that, we see often where you know uh, it'll be H and M or whoever that messes up, and then everybody else is like, you know what? Don't buy H and M then. Um, and then there's like artists that will stop. Uh, yeah, you know, selling their clothes, or whatever. selling their clothes, partnering with partner them. Everything, yeah. Um, so it's like I don't know if it's Spotify's. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's Spotify's. That, you know, yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. the label definitely. Or, but the label yeah. would obviously want to promote them, right? Yeah. So that's they're trying to contact. But I mean, they could also drop them and you pick. I don't know. I guess people will still listen one way or another. Another label will pick them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess it's also weird because you know when it comes to things like uh, this, uh, where it's musicians or athletes uh they get away with a lot more because it's like at the end of the day they're making other people a lot of money and those people don't want to let these people go because it's like they're here to entertain you and maybe spotify is trying to say something because they make a lot of money through these playlists Mm -hmm. like so many people listen to these playlists yeah and they make a lot money of with through these songs so like maybe drop that dropping it does say a huge statement like okay yeah what do you guys think? Tell us on, uh, drop a comment on this YouTube video or tell us on Twitter. We're at Strange Flavors on everything. Um, and one person that did write to us, uh, I don't think I want to share their name because I think they might want to remain private. Um, so one of our listeners is saying, I've been talking to this guy who's Ismaili Muslim for a year and it seems serious. He wants me to move in, but I haven't met his family yet or his friends, but he has told me that this that his family slash friends know about me, but I don't know. I don't think he has told them because I'm African-American and a non-Muslim. Kind of want this to be anonymous if you guys talk about it on the podcast. Okay, cool. Um, And sorry I'm late, I guess, my question. Hold on. (laughs) If your parents... And if your parents are okay with you dating an African-American. By the way, he's Indian. I really love him. Thank you. Okay, so... Wow, she's asking our opinion on what we think about this situation. So she's African American, wants to, you know, get with an Indian, and they're obviously seems from what she's saying in love, and doesn't know if the parents will be accepting of that. I think that if he, if you're, if you're in love with him and he's telling you something. I mean, all you can really go is based off of what he's saying, yeah. unless you find out some more information. I mean, I think you just have to do some FBI type I, I think if there were a problem, it wouldn't be on you. It would kind right. of be on him. Like, because it's kind of his responsibility for him to tell his family and friends mm-hmm. about you and whatnot. You shouldn't have the issues bearing around that, but you pr- will have those issues yeah. if they arise, if you're around him. From the religious aspect, though... Um, it's not like he can't be with you and that he can't marry you because a Muslim guy can definitely marry a non-Muslim yeah. girl. Um, I, I have no idea where, what you would do. <laughs> I would just say based off, based off of your instincts, if you think that it's the right thing to do, you know what, see uh, where you guys go and be honest with yourselves, be honest with your families. Wait, um, I'm sorry. But, she said something about moving in though, right? Yeah. Oh wait! Don't move in with somebody that you don't know these answers for, though. So like, yeah, well, I dig mean, a little deeper. Before I mean, you, you can't move you in, can't right? just be like, hey, I want to move in. Like, okay, well, acknowledge that 
well, the other person exists if it's a let them know i feel like moving in is uh normal for like a lot of younger generations that are outside of you know like our very conservative um culture culture and so that might be how their relationship is perceived so that's probably why like that's mm-hmm. not a normal thing like you know usually you don't always like tell um that person's parents like oh i'm moving in like you're an adult or whatever right. and that's my that might be the relationship that they have right. yeah so i don't yeah. know um but i think it always again comes down to being honest about everything and if you know family is something that both of you value then it is important that you yeah. know you uh be honest about Definitely. what's going on and then and then see from there about you know all these other things like moving in and all that but it's definitely um, his responsibility like for him to tell if he wants to but like yeah i mean there's there's a lot more pressure on him yeah and i think a bad uh sort of stigma we have in our communities is um you know racism against uh other minorities such as african americans i think that's that's a huge thing and i think that's a barrier that um you know this year brown people need to get over and it's only going to go away after we start having a lot more of these um marriages between the different cultures or like because different cultures don't even marry that often and i think you know having the cultures and different races mix uh normalizing that will definitely uh, put a much better uh, face on our communities going forward. So, yeah, I mean, be the example. That's what I would say. Go with your instincts. And if this is right, then, you know, I hope it works out for you. Right. And thank you for listening and complimenting thank our podcast. We appreciate that. You. Uh, if you want to write to us, always feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram or by emailing us if you have something, um, you know, longer to explain, like that sort of story. Uh, you can email us strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Um, okay, let's move on to our guest. So our guest this week is uh, Jessica Conway. And uh, this is a little bit of a deeper sort of uh, episode. We needed to have Jessica on here because with a lot of these Me Too movements and everything going on, um, we wanted somebody who has a story to tell on our podcast uh, uh, regarding something of that nature. Um, and this is like a fair trigger warning. Amber, I think you can explain it a little yeah. bit better. Of um, Yeah, I just want to give a fair trigger warning. This episode does have some sexual misconduct and um, molestation mentioned in here. So if any of those things do trigger you, I would, you know, definitely listen to it in a place where you feel comfortable or if you feel comfortable listening at all. But just want you guys to be aware. Yeah. And uh, for us, uh, this is... Uh, we mentioned this on the podcast, but this is a conversation and not like uh, a, a typical sort of interview that um, you would hear on anything else. And we are truly trying to understand where this person is coming from. And we appreciate and applaud her bravery for coming on here and sharing her story with us. So it is our honor to introduce this week's stranger, Jessica. tell everybody how amazing it was to work with the legendary 
for us. I mean. the ego. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to talk about Claudia. <laughs> well, you know, Claudia's all right, but yeah. more no, importantly, Claudia I'm just kidding. Goat, Claudia's, yeah, know. Claudia's a goat. Um, but more importantly, hey, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. No, it was fun. Uh, it was, we, I think, um, yeah. you know, working with everybody over there, it was, it was a good time. And Claudia was on the podcast and shout out to Claudia. She like started this whole shout thing. Out, shout out. The magazine was a great part. Um, yeah. This magazine has provided a voice for a lot of us, um, including yourself. Mm. And the reason we wanted you on the show here today is to talk about this article that you recently wrote for the last issue. Um, it's titled Secrets and Monsters, and it just came out in the L magazine. Now, can you just sort of, uh, on your own time and out of your own comfort, describe briefly what that article is about? Well, that article is about um, me and my stepbrother, uh, when I was about four, my mother me remarried. Well, not remarried. That was her first marriage. My mother got married to my stepfather, and uh, he had two sons. Um, so I guess not e not really that long ago, because I think the first instance would have been when we were still living with my grandmother. Um, he just we started, I guess. Um, the easiest way to say it is I was molested, which doesn't always feel quite 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 right. Mm. Um, mainly because every uh, molestation is different. So typically, when people think of it, or when people picture it, or are told about it, it's something horrific. You know, it's. He hurt me. Um, there was uh, blood, etc. Like there is physical pain. Um, in my case, it's it's different. It wasn't like that, as far as I can remember. I do have instances where like I can remember something starting, and then I don't remember. So I've been blessed with repressed memories, and <laughs> I have no intention of digging for them. Um, but there are also times that I do remember, and none of them are pain-filled. Um, so basically, the article itself is about me coming to terms with that. Um, just me, myself, accepting that it's not something where I have to look at myself in disgust, but more as it's just something that happened, that my body is a body, and like anybody, it's going to react the way any other body would. Um, yeah, so really the article is just about me accepting that fact and letting go. Why did you choose it to write in a way, um, this whole theme of like monsters and coming to terms rather than like, you know, saying like exactly what happened to you? Like, why was that important? I think it was important because that is how I viewed myself for a very long time. I, you know, there are times when you have to start asking yourself those questions. And it's completely normal, it's completely natural to be like, okay, what is this? Because if I'm being honest with myself, the reason I wrote it the way I did was to protect the magazine. Not to be too explicit, mm -hmm. not to be too, uh, too honest in a way where people would bulk from reading it. Um, sorry. So Good. basically, 
if I'm to explain it, I didn't realize anything was wrong until I got to elementary school and they started showing those videos of no-no places and stranger danger. That's when I realized that, oh, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't supposed to happen. Because if I'm being really honest, I used to look forward to those moments, thinking that they were normal, that there was something that was supposed to happen. Um, just these are things that I've had to kind of force myself to accept because if I don't accept them, that means that I'm lying to myself. And that's one thing that I've never liked to do. I don't like to lie to myself and you should never lie to yourself. You should always be very honest um, when it comes to trying to figure out who it is that you are. So growing up, you know, finding that out, I did confront him. Um, he threatened to to kill my mother and my grandmother, who were the most important women in my life because I was raised partly by my grandmother. And then, of course, my mom's my mom. And, of course, I believed him because at this point I'm like six. Of course I'm going to believe you. Well, when, you, when, when he made that threat, uh, were you, you had said something by then? Is yeah. that why he was yeah. okay? Um, so, like I said, if you don't mind, like how much, how old was he at this moment? Well, when it started, I was four. He was sixteen. Um, so by the time I was six, he was eighteen. Um, sorry. So basically, at that point, I had been wanting a sibling for a very long time. So then I'm granted a sibling, but the sibling I'm granted is not what it's supposed to be, but I didn't know that. So growing up later on, you know, learning what I learned and trying to struggle with figuring it all out, the reason I chose monster is because that's how I referred to myself. Because who likes their own molestation? You know, who ends up seeing their molester as somebody that they're close to? What, what is that? And it's, that's what I meant by that. It's just this inner repulsion that you feel. Because it, it doesn't make sense. You're like, why am I this way? Is there something wrong with me? And then, of course, you start doing research on yourself and those statistics of how most people who are molested end up molesting others, which ended up terrifying me because I love kids. And it's just one of those things where you're like, how could, how could, how could you ever consider doing that? And there was this once when I had a nightmare of this child that I was babysitting. I had a nightmare of this child that I was babysitting that I had done something to him. And in my head, I was, I could see me doing it and I was screaming at myself not to do it, but I couldn't stop myself from doing it. And then I woke up and I'm sobbing because I'm so afraid that I'm gonna 
do the same things and I had to I had to really start to know myself because if I didn't I was afraid that that's where it would go if I didn't get to know myself I couldn't prove to myself that that's not who I am and that's not something that I would ever do so that's why it took that turn of monsters and secrets because in this way I can almost hold myself accountable mm -hmm. and make sure that that dream me, that nightmare, that terror of me is not real. Yeah. As you sort of like collect yourself and, you know, get comfortable and everything like that, I just want to say that, uh, first of all, like you're extremely brave for telling the story yeah. um, and for wanting to talk about it. And I think before you came on that, you know, I had, we had a discussion that like, you know, this is extremely important uh, for other people to hear whether they have heard something like this before or not just to hear it coming from somebody like yourself and uh just being so like real and raw as you always are with it i think that's extremely brave so i just have to applaud you on that um Definitely. Thank and you. and of course we're very sorry that something like that happened to you but we're very lucky that you're here to share it with us um a subheading of this uh of your story reads um a survivor speaks out do you feel like a survivor no that wasn't even a subheading that i picked okay so to be honest no like i know me and the owl group at the time went back and forth back and forth back and forth about it because they kept wanting to say victim they kept wanting to say certain words and that's not how you want it to be no okay that's not what i agree with like i said i'm trying to be very honest with myself yeah and there were times where I would initiate because okay. as a child I have to think of that as as a child I'm exposed to something feels good I want to do it more mm. and so to be honest with myself I can't say that I was a victim because I know the truth do you still feel like you're not a like victim that. even though you were four though and you were the one who knew less than the other person no okay because even though even though I was four and I was a child, I still knew something was wrong because I, tr I kept it a secret. Right. Like there were times where my mom almost caught us mm -hmm. and I knew don't let her catch you, mm -hmm. which is why I forced myself to be as honest as possible with myself because Otherwise, I'm lying, and I can't. I cannot lie to myself. I have to be honest about this. My mom found out years later, though we go back and forth on how she found out. I think I was in like the bathtub taking a bath, and she had confronted me about uh, my underwear because there will be certain signs when um, a person becomes sexually active. Um, that's how I thought it happened. She says it happened when she started showing me, like, <laughs> when she had, like, the sex talk with me and started showing me pictures of, like, STDs and things like that. I'm not sure why there's that divide of how it really happened. But she knew? Yes, she found out. She took me to the doctor to make sure that I was um, basically okay. I had um, minimal vaginal tearing that are, they're still there. Um, 
But other than that, I seemed perfectly fine. There wasn't anything wrong with me in school. I was a normal child. So he had run away. Um, not really sure why, but a couple of maybe months later, he had popped back up. Um, I remember because I was coming back from Taekwondo practice with my mom. You guys were living in the same house? Yes. Okay. Came back from Taekwondo practice with my mom. Um, and he was just kind of sitting there at the dinner table. Like everything was normal, eating dinner. So I just, I remember going up to my room, locking the door and going to bed. Next morning, um, I'm sitting on the top, the top of the stairs and my mom and my stepdad are arguing in the next room. And I don't know where he came from, but all of a sudden he's next to me and he says, I'm sorry. And then I never see him again. Ever since? Nope. I heard from him once, maybe years later, he had called to talk to his father because he had had a son. Where do you stand on that? Does that bother you? About the way that it was The way that it talked about. panned out? Well, just, you know, seeing him after so long. Was that the only conversation that you guys had since everything happened? Yeah. Have you had thoughts about, you know, what will I say to him when I see him or anything like that? Most of those thoughts have not been... Do you feel like you had closure or do you not want, like, what is, what do you feel about that? Like, was that enough for you or? It's always a weird question, the okay. closure question. Okay. Because I feel like there's not really much that would give me closure. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time where I was ready to come forward, there was no evidence. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, what, what was I going to show? Um, now I to be honest, I have no interest in it, mainly because I just really haven't thought it through. Okay. I haven't really delved into it. Um, as for your question about what I would say if I saw him again, I've never really had those kinds of thoughts. I've had more of he's going to come back for me thoughts, Oh. which is weird, again, because it's never like he harmed me. But in my head, that's kind of how it played out in my earlier adolescent years, I guess. Like I don't, when I was a teenager. I don't want to tell you how to feel, and I don't want to pretend like I'm a therapist. But in a way, you keep speaking as if you had a equal, like, mature response that where it came from from your end um, without really putting on the fact that this is somebody 12 years older than you and they play that role of protecting you. Right. You don't seem to accept that very well. I do accept it. Um, it's more like, I don't think about his part as much because to me, that's not what's important. Okay. I think, I think what the confusion is, is where, what Amber's trying to get at is, when you say something like, it's not like he harmed me, what do you mean by that? Oh, I mean like physical violence. That's what I mean. Okay. So 
but you but do you feel that he harmed you in other ways yes okay i mean over over time obviously this this is where the confusion is because at the time i wasn't harmed but as i grew older that's when the repercussions became evident is that from realizing what it was Mm -hmm. then and at the time you didn't see that Mm -hmm. like now i realize what it was and because i do i don't have that how do i want to say this i don't want to i don't have that like haze over it Mm -hmm. it's more like it's been revealed to me in black and white rather than in or maybe that's not right. It's been revealed to me in color rather than in black and white. If that makes it any clearer. Like it has more definition now as something that was harmful to who I am now. I'm trying to explain this as best as I can. I don't know I sound like crazy. No, you're fine. <laughs> no, no, I mean it is it is your perception of it and, and it's interesting to hear what that is. Right. Um it's, how hard was it to write this article? It was not as hard as you might think, mainly because when I started writing it, I did not intend to publish it. When I started writing it, it was kind of just, it just kind of happened. Like I was, I remember I was sitting outside and I was like, I guess I'm writing this now. And I started. And then as I kept writing, that's when I realized I wanted to share it. And the moment that I realized that I wanted to share it is the moment that it became difficult. But I'm sure you've written about it many times before that you mentioned you're a writer. In a way I did without truly writing about it. So I did a lot of poetry before that point. And that poetry kind of links to it without me really consciously doing it so um i think the first poem that i read was called pulling the thread and it was about this little like this little puppet rag doll that literally was having her thread pulled by this stranger so of course after i wrote it i realized oh that's what this is about but when i was writing it it was it didn't click so it's it was kind of like that Writing the article just kind of became a thing that I was doing in that moment. And then that's when I realized this is what's happening. It's kind of weird. Can I ask you, when you found out in second grade, you know, as you're figuring... No, not second grade. I'm sorry. You said sometime in elementary school. Sounds right, though. Second grade. When they're telling you these no zones and stranger danger... What was your initial reaction to that? Just because not knowing anything to then knowing something, but not everything. At that age, how did you interpret that? At first, um, when we like were first watching it, I think they had started out with the Stranger Dangers. So I wasn't like, I was just like, oh, okay, don't, don't go with strangers. The same thing that my mom's been telling me for years. Um, when they started talking about no, no places is when I started to get uncomfortable in class because then I could actually be like link things together to be the kind of be like, oh, wait, rewind. This is this isn't normal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, it was still happening pretty much on a regular basis. But the more that they showed the videos, because they did it over like a course of days, the more it started feeling bad. And I do remember once when he had like woke me up in the middle of the night and took me downstairs to our bathroom. And I remember in my head, kind of, just this feeling of being gross. And that's kind of one of those memories that puts me in a bad place. So the moment that I think about that is the moment that I start, I start getting itchy like I am now, which is weird, but it, it makes me feel like I need to like peel my skin off because it's, it's just disgusting. How long after, um, I guess, you sort of found out what it was and everything and, and, and this person disappeared from your life, uh, did the trauma last? I mean, the trauma doesn't really go away. Right. I mean, um, it's not like I think about it every single day, luckily for me. Um, I will say that the trauma itself did not make itself evident as being full-blown trauma until I was in high school in my junior year when I had my first panic attack or PTSD attack, whatever the f- you want to call it. Um, that's when it started. And since then, it has gotten worse. But I've also been managing it. Um, How? Well, at first, I started going to therapists. Okay. Um, I thought that was going to help me. And I'm not deterring anybody from going to therapy because I did find that it did help me in some ways. But I also found that I preferred to manage it on my own. So, um, for instance, whenever I do have a panic attack, I have my own ways of getting out of it. Um, not ways that you know anybody's taught me or anybody's thought of, just ways that work for me. Um, so with that, I saw, what, four or five different ones throughout the course of my life. And when I felt that I was really getting to a place where I couldn't handle it on my own, that's when I've gone back. So to say that the trauma has ended, is it's not a thing for mm-hmm. me. I've, yeah. That's another thing that I've accepted. It's not going to end. It's just going to be there. Kind of like, kind of like your burn. You've got it now. It's not going anywhere. The skin has changed and it'll be with you for the rest of your life. But you're not gonna stop living because you've got a burn. You know what I mean? Right. Your same skin, it just looks different. Mm-hmm. So how do you usually like cope with it uh, when you do have either a panic attack or you know you start thinking about it, or you're going through life and you know something triggers it in some way? What's usually like your immediate response to that? Typically, um, when I start to feel it coming, it's too late by that point because my brain will continue to spiral until I'm, I'm in it. But to get out of it, I understand typically um, counting helps, repeating this day that it is. Being in the dark helps a lot, being alone. Um, wow, I would think it would be like the opposite. It's different okay. for everybody. It really is. Like, I don't wanna 
like I, said, I don't like to be touched when it's going on because at that point, like I said, I don't feel good. Mm. So every touch feels. I've used Violent. all the words. Right. Yes, every touch feels like like someone's violating me mm. because I couldn't distinguish what was a good and what was a bad touch right. for so long. So now anytime that I am in one and someone touches me, I go kind of berserk. And it has happened in very awkward situations. <laughs> very awkward situations. Um, first dates um, with my family, without my family. And a funny thing that has been recurring is I seem to respond well if, like, I have an animal around me. Mm. So, like, lots of people have, like, anxiety dogs. Mm. And that I didn't have one prescribed to me, but Tintin was my anxiety dog. So, like, when I was not feeling in a good spot, Tintin, I'm going to see Tintin. That's your dog? Mm -hmm. Tintin, okay. He's a miniature pincher. He's all red and he's wonderful. (laughs) So, when I wasn't feeling good or, like, I wasn't having a good week, I would head up to mom's just so I could sleep with Tinted because he just made me feel better. So when you're on a date, like, is this something that you, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think you would bring it up on a first date or anything like that, but no. going forward with something like this, like, how do you, um, how do you address this or are there still certain fears you have when you're in a relationship or anything? Yeah. I don't have that great of a relationship with men. I'm not very trusting as it is. Understandable. And I have some very strong abandonment issues that I have to deal with, aside from, you know, him himself, but also just from other things as well. So when it comes to dating and that kind of thing, that's not something that would be broached for a very long time. So most of my ex whatevers don't know okay because they either didn't last long enough to know or i didn't feel like they deserved to know well you're saying like if if something if you have like you know a memory or like panic attack on on a date like what do you usually tell the person or are they out of the door by then the one time that it did happen on a date, because mm-hmm. let me not make it sound like I have a lot of dates, because I don't. <laughs> I mean, hey guys. Hey, you can. Put y'all, put y'all up too. But um, this happened one time on a first date. Nope, second date, sorry. This happened one time on a second date. And to be honest, I didn't know what to tell him. So I ended up ghosting him. Because at that point, I didn't feel comfortable enough with him as a person to be like, this is what happened. And I definitely didn't want his opinions pressed up on me mm-hmm. because that's typically kind of the response that I have gotten if I have shared it with a male counterpart. Um, now, say the panic attack or PTSD attack or whatever, whatever you want to call it, I'm still trying to figure that part out. Say it happens in a more intimate scene then I kind of feel obligated to explain. Right. Because right. I just kick somebody in the gut. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important that you're actually like 
going into this because a lot of the times when people like you for example even the school is telling you stranger danger this and that a lot of times people don't realize that most of the time when like girls are molested it's typically like within family mm-hmm. extended family people that the family is trusting of yep. and i think usually when you think of it you're thinking of like an old creepy man somebody who's not related to you but most of the time it's always somebody that who is related is, or is related is or trusting the of the family yeah. yeah and that happens with um male and female victims right as i have grown throughout my college years i found that i kind of almost attract the same type of people so like i have a lot of friends who've been through the same things oh that's good i mean i mean not you know no that's not what i mean but like that, that there are you people know, that you could talk to we know what you mean okay. um a lot of relatability but it does it kind of explains a few things yeah um and you know often we'll get together and we'll be like well why us like mm-hmm. why us specifically because some of them will have siblings who did not have to go through that same thing and we're still confused as to why um sometimes if i'm if i'm lying to myself i'll say it's because god made us stronger people who can handle it which is i'm sorry that just kind of puts the blame on god i'm like okay i don't like that answer at all but there's still nothing that I can say that'd be like, this child attracted this kind of attention. Or this is what you did wrong to attract this kind of attention. That's kind of also been a part of this whole process is accepting the fact that there's literally nothing that I could say that would be like, this is why I was just there at the wrong place at the wrong time. Have you accepted that though? Because I feel like you're saying that, but in some of the ways that you say, I feel like you still blame yourself. And not that you're outward, like, not while you're vocally blaming yourself, but in the way that you speak, I feel like you do blame yourself. If I'm being honest, there is a part of me that still blames myself, yes. And that's a part that I still have to struggle with. Um, It's the reason why I have more of these episodes that I would like to accept in a year's time Mm -hmm. but I can't say that I don't because that again would be a lie I'm glad that at least you have you know you're saying like the circle of friends that you have at least there's somebody to talk to that understands because no matter what we can listen to you all day but we will never understand being in your position right I mean I can't ever say that I would understand somebody else's position either because yeah. every single mm-hmm. one is different. Is different. Right. That is every true. single one. Yeah. And like they might look identical on paper, mm. but they're right. worlds away from anything that's even typically the same. Like some of the stories that I've heard will have me like bust into tears mm. because I just, it's, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, with that being said, did you feel like a responsibility to write something like this and put it out into the world to share? No. I didn't feel a responsibility to it. Literally, before I did it, I kind of hated the thought of it. How come? Because to me, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do, I guess. In a way, it seemed almost attention-seeking which I didn't like the thought of. But like I said, 
when I wrote it, I didn't have the intention to publish it until I finished it. And I was like, okay, this is something that I need to do. And not even for other people, it was more for myself. Like the article was a part of my healing process. This right now is a part of my healing process. Do you ever intend in the future to like help other people with these issues or is it always just like trying to heal yourself, I guess? I wouldn't say that I have any intentions on doing it. I have always been open to like, say if um, I have a friend who comes to me and says that they have a family member who's going to it through it and they want me to talk to them. Definitely open to that. But I've had no intention of like going around to people and trying to like just give out my help, I guess. And I know that, that sounds selfish, but at the same time, that is a lot of strain on myself when I don't even see, I don't see me at that point yet. And so when, I guess until I do, I, maybe I'll never feel that. But I just, I've never thought about that's that. That's not, no, that's not selfish at all. Yeah. I mean, if, to, to, to expect somebody to be like an ambassador for, you know, a situation that happened to them is, no, that's not how it works. But, um, you know, for you to not even completely be uh, at a place where you feel like you can do that is, does not, you know, that's at yeah. your comfort level. It's and, not your responsibility. And whether you think that it's your intention or not to be publishing something, um, I think regardless, just by doing that, it is benefiting it is. a lot yeah, of people. Right. And, and not just the people that it has happened to, but for people like us who like, you know, for me personally, like I've never uh, experienced anything like that or even like heard it happen around me. So then to just hear that there are situations like that out there, it just opens my mind to that, you know? And that's like a, um, that's like an outcome of putting it out there is like, you don't have to, like I think there are expectations of people that are like, you know, oh, this happened to you. Why don't you help other people that it might be help happening to or whatever. But like, this is your way of doing that. Um, just by telling your story, you don't know how many people yeah. it could impact. That is um, one thing. I did have a discussion with my friend from my friend from work because I told him that I was going to be doing the podcast, and he was he was very protective of me. Like, don't do that. Why would you do that? Yeah. And I had to tell him not to tell me not to because it almost came off as an insult in a way. And we had a whole conversation about it. And he was like, you know, what, what do you want to get out of it? I was like, to be honest, I just want to, I want to heal. But then I thought about it more. And I realized, like, like I said, mainstream, what you hear about situations like this is people who have been put through that physical pain. You don't hear about people like me who didn't experience that pain and I know that we're out there so in that way I have found that one thing that I wanted to do is just put myself out there so that other people would see it and be like okay I'm not the only one who has had to deal with that feeling but only for this podcast I don't know about doing all the rest only for yeah. this and I think what's what's important about that is like for us too, and for our listeners, people understand that we're having a conversation. This is not like 
an interview where we're like expecting you to say something and that we're going to like twist and turn it in a ways to make a, a headline out of it or something. But like the, for people listening, it's like for you being honest in the way that you felt about it is so important that it's like, oh, this is not typically how it goes, even though we had I mean, at least for me, like I had definitely had like preconceived notions of like what I was expecting uh the ways i was um expecting you to feel and all that kind of stuff but right now what's happening is like we're really having a conversation and you're just telling your story your truth and we are here like listening and and asking like little parts of it like of our understanding as we're going like live you know right so that's really important yeah you mentioned not having any proof did you feel like you had to prove yourself at some point i feel like really it was more of the logical side of it like okay if i took this to court what evidence do i have that's more did you have that thought Mm -hmm. like literally if i could took this to court what evidence do i have none and this was of course at an older age years past so at that point it's just like okay and is that a reason for backing down from it or was it like a mental thing as well it wasn't even my idea. Okay. Like, my mom broached the subject to me. Mm. Do you want to, you know, file charges? Do you want to take this to court? And, you know, when she asked it, I was just kind of confused at first. And then I thought about it more. And I was just kind of like, no. Because I don't feel like it would have done anything for me. Okay. Plain and simple. How did you feel when the whole Me Too movement started happening? Do you feel like a lot of those feelings got brought back up? It was more like a test for myself to just type in Me Too into one random thread and enter it. Mm-hmm. And then one of the people that I knew liked it. That wasn't really a big, big deal, but it felt like one. Mm-hmm. Just because I understand the need to be validated not by anybody, but by somebody else who has experienced something like it. It's like meeting those people that I know now Mm -hmm. who have gone through something like it, and you're like, where did you come from? How do I know this? And the more that I come to learn about the Me Too movement is the more that I'm interested in it, but I still don't really have that urge to speak out with it the way that other people have. And, you know, I hope that one day I'm brave enough to be that vocal about it. I hope that one day, you know, I don't have to be afraid or be surprised when I find out that, you know, other members of my family or my close relatives have gone through something like that because by that point, I don't want anything to be, I don't want there to be like those kinds of secrets between people. At some point, I want it to be something that you do discuss because as it is, I still have family who's just finding out recently everything that's happened to me. Well, Jessica, we definitely, definitely appreciate you coming on here and telling us the story. And I think it needed to be had and this conversation needed to be had. And we're lucky to have you here and to have you as a friend. Cause Aww. it's awesome. Thanks, yes. And I think we've all became good friends since 
you came to our shows and that was awesome yeah you're I mean, such so a supportive much fun. friend it's so much fun <laughs> we appreciate you you came to support frost and like we ended up becoming like really good friends hey girl how you doing okay. <laughs> jessica becomes friends with pretty much anybody which is an pretty awesome much. quality that she has That's unless awesome. they get on my nerve <laughs> then we're not friends um and we always end this with a final super important question and shamir will ask you that question if you could describe yourself in any flavor, what flavor would it be and oh, why? Man. I should have seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nobody was, ever sees it coming. It's she like, was yes. looking at the wall of flavors earlier and she was like, what? Is what this? are these? I should have seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that I would be dark chocolate butterscotch toffee. Oh, snap. Dark chocolate toffee? Butterscotch toffee. Butterscotch toffee. Yeah. Dark chocolate butterscotch toffee. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, dark chocolate because I'm a little bit bitter. I'm still sweet. Good okay. in moderation. Ooh. All right. Okay. Right. Keep going. That's good. Uh, butterscotch because I have that saltiness to me. Like I stay salty. Okay. Just all the time. All right. Like it's in my face. Just. <laughs> That's okay. You want some salt on that? Like. <laughs> and toffee. Toffee because I think I surprise you with my crunch. Huh. Whoa. Dang. I know, right? Deep. See, she is a writer. She's got it in her. Yeah. You're super talented. Don't stop writing. We're excited to read your book when it finally comes out. Obviously. And thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank I don't you. even know why I say words. Thank you for having <laughs> me. This was fun, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, for everybody listening, it's been another week. <laughs> another even... stranger. That's not what it is. <laughs> That's not what it is. They don't know our own outro. Wait, it's fine. is it not that? Yeah, you guys are fine. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's been flavor. another week, another flavor, a little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. What keep-